We're back, the Whiskey Hue, a podcast from three brown startup enthusiasts that pull back the curtain on business, culture, and side pieces. <laughs> Not those type. We're talking emerging media, e-games, cannabis, blockchain, and so much more. Without the bullshit, and most importantly, over whiskey. America calls Clyde Black, a fool brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. <laughs> With three brothers, various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups. Mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. Oh, Anthony didn't come through. He didn't come through. Come on. I, listen, let's record again next week and I'll have some music, whether it's sunny music, Maybe you bright will. music, or, or it's going to be down and out, and I'm still hungover. <laughs> I, I saw you stretching everything. I thought you were going to come through with some music, man. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, so welcome. Welcome, guys. How, what's going on? It's a new week. It's a big week. It's the last week of um, um, we getting right into the almost election day uh, coming up very soon. By the time this is released, we should at least be, you know, either at election day or very close to it. And, uh, you know, what are you guys excited about? What's new? Excited about that? The election? Thanks, but excited. I am not excited. Listen, I stopped watching the news for the past two weeks. Okay. Because yeah. my, my anxiety level keeps on increasing every time I watch the news. I don't turn on MSNBC, CNBC, well, not CNBC, but anything that has to do with like people yelling their heads off around, you know, Trump did this, Biden's doing that. I can't do it right now. And, yeah. I, and I'm tired of the no- local commercials, you know, all, all, the, oh, okay. all, the, all the fights that they're having right now. <laughs> Are you seeing a lot of them? Because I'm not I'm seeing see, that many up I'm here. Because I, 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 I like to watch you know, local news on like on ABC7. And then, okay. and then, uh, you know, the nightly news. And then all you see is like, you know, the battle, I guess the battle and, uh, for the representative in, uh, Staten Island, parts of Brooklyn, that guy, Max Rose and Nicole Malley. I know it now because it's, oh, you're super know. local now. Super I know, local. Damn. He's like, well, it's, it's, it's the house. It's the, it's Congress. It's not, it's not like state senator, but uh, <laughs> like it's just nonstop commercials. <clears throat> and, and I just can't, I can't, I can't deal with it because we have no idea. Yeah, and the down. political years are always toxic, man. The information around it, I just don't. I want to cancel, just move on, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm finding new shows to watch on Netflix, and just because you're not finding them on Quibi, though, I'm just playing. <laughs> I we, yeah, Quibi, Quibi, R.I.P. R.I.P. I, I really back in March when the pandemic hit, I was like, I think they got something. <laughs> you know what? That's to, a failure on my head. <laughs> no, but you know, I think so it was, he, they had an right. idea, just poor execution. Yeah, poor timing and execution. Execution, if they could have just gotten it to a auto, like the Netflix model where you automatically go to the next show and then timing. I guess they were looking for that cat. So, but here's the thing, that eight to 10 minute window that they're looking for, that's social media fills that gap, right? So if you're in line at a Starbucks or whatever, that's what social media is doing for these cats. That, that's yeah. the angle they wanted to hit, that well, young they, group. Yeah, well, they messed up, right? So it was fine. I told you when I went back in March, you know, sign up for that 90 day free trial. And I was like, oh, there's a couple of good shows. The problem yeah. was we got hit with the pandemic and we're already now we're stuck at home and I can't watch it on TV. And I'm not going to yeah. sit on my, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not Gen Z and I'm not going to sit on my phone yeah. and watch, <laughs> watch a movie. Like I, I watch YouTube videos nonstop now, but I'm watching them on my TV. So. Yeah. Remember you and I were talking about that Lawrence Fishburne show? That was really yeah, good. Yeah, Free Sean. Yeah. Like, then I talked to my cousins. 
From yeah, I, yeah, I think so. It was good. It was really yeah. good, man. Uh, but so I remember talking to my cousin, the people in their peer group, and then and then people that are they're asking asking about people the younger. They don't care about the Lawrence Fishburne established folks like we do. They like, they want to hear like TikTok stars and stuff like they want to see if that, that's that's what they want to fill their ten minute window. So they if that's who Katzenberg and uh, what's her name uh, the, Meg. Meg, Meg, Meg Whitman. Yeah. Yes. If that's who they are going after. That's a, uh, you know, maybe they should have recalibrated that, but look, it's kind of cool. So there's already, there is an art form that could be told in a short format. Right. Yeah. So that, that's been established because it, it was awesome. If you can just get it to be delivered at a maybe timing and then a, maybe a better f- platform. Uh, but those two, yeah, they're, they're heavy hitters, man. Usually you come in raising 200 million, they raise 2 billion. So, yep. you know, it, that, that's, that's a lot and it's because of who they are. <laughs> well, but then, but then, you know, depending on your view, that two billion just raising it—that's just all to content, right? Yeah, you kind of lose what, like, don't you lose that hunger and really pushing your startup? Like, it, it, it just—you just automatically say with that two billion, what everybody assumes that you're now like a Netflix. You get fat and happy, right? Yeah, like, yeah. essentially, you're like, you know what? Instead of having to be scrappy and figure out a way to convince that YouTuber who's who has 10 million followers to create a show for a hundred thousand dollars. Now you're just going after Kevin Hart and giving him 10, right? Yeah. So that, that, and then, you know, he, he doesn't care if it's successful or not. He got his money up front. Pretty much. Um, so, you know, that's, that was a part of the execution piece that I mentioned. Uh, but you know, I, I, I layer on top of that. They, they didn't pivot fast enough to get you onto streaming services. Yeah. As soon as yep. the pandemic hit, right. You're under a, a 90 day trial. And, you know, they were only around for six months. So at best case, they only made three months of revenue. So, yeah, they they they, they just support execution pieces. So, so here's the thing. So of the two bill, they still have three hundred fifty million in cash. They're going to take care of some people. I think I read something somewhere where they have licensing rights to some of this content for like seven mm-hmm. years. Yep. So they're going to you know what? They'll probably recoup maybe three to five hundred dollars, three hundred five hundred mil in the next couple in that time frame, maybe more. So it's not a complete wash. Uh, you can use it as a leverage for the next play. That's yep. what I'm thinking. And the, you know, so. and the smart play I'll, I'll add on to that is that take that licensing for the content, go to one of these major streaming players and license out the IP so that, you know, if there was some yep. hits that Lawrence Fishburne show or Kevin Hart or LeBron James or whatever, whoever had those shows on there, take it but, to Amazon but, or take it to an Apple and say, you know what, let's license this out. You yeah. create the long form versions of these. You're 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 low on content yeah. anyway. Yeah. So then that's how we can create a partnership, and maybe you can sell it for a billion dollars for all the library. Apple TV, baby, a- or, Apple TV. or Amazon. Amazon. They're just you know they took uh they have what coming to America coming on. Yeah. Hundred and twenty five million. Yeah. Yeah. yeah man. Right Good lord, yeah. that's a lot of money. But check this out. Remember, you know James Bond, that one movie that they keep pushing. Oh yeah. They're yeah. trying to get six hundred million for that. That's a franchise. That's a you know that's historical a, that's a franchise. global franchise. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's different, right? But point being, clearly Amazon has the cash to dole out to purchase it. Um, they need the content, right? Amazon and like you said, Apple. They both need the content. The question is, how much money is Apple really w- willing to keep on spending? To, you know, bring on more content. Yeah, I mean, Apple had two plays. They were they should have gotten up on Peloton or Tesla back in the day. Now it's too highly mm-hmm. valued, so they'll they'll recalibrate, figure that out when they pop. Sorry to say, man, your wife just, it's going to fall at some point. <laughs> Peloton. But, you know, but I will um, say, I, I did, I did, I will say that we, we made some adjustments and got out of it. Right, um, right. cause you know, the, with the whole election and, you know, she may cuss me out later if it goes to like 150 or 200. But right now, I just think there's too much risk on the table. 
um, and the market's going to come down. So, you know, we'll set a little bit to the side and see where it goes from there. One last thing about not Amazon, but Jeff Bezos distinctly out of his own checkbook is thinking about buying CNN. Ooh, that's crazy dope, man. Out of his own, I'm just going to write this check. <laughs> but I'm the thing about, man, he owns the Washington Post already. You yep. got the Washington Post, you got CNN. I mean, that's going to be liberal hell. I'm sorry. You know what I'm <laughs> I can't watch CNN or Fox News. I can't, I can't, I can't. I, I will admit, um, I used to watch CNN all the time, but recently the, um, Shep, Shepard, uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shepard Smith. Yeah. Shepard Smith. His show is refreshingly, uh, good because it's pretty much like the old style of news. Okay. And you don't get the whole like dramatization and, you know, people crying on the show. He's like telling you the facts. This was going on. So I, I, I found that to be a good departure from Clyde. You, know, you remember, remember you and I were at some whiskey joint. Yeah, I think it was your friends with American Shep, whiskey. We were at American and, whiskey and he was, he's part of, he's one of the owners. Remember you yeah, said at the bar and I looked at him and I was like, and we said hi to him. Right. Yeah, remember yep, at the yep, tail yep. end, but he looked like he's got this evil look to him. <laughs> like he's like, he does he look like, like a super villain, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently he was kind of, he became one of the more liberal voices because of, you know, yep. personal choices on Fox. And then and there's, you know, him and he and Kennedy, the other girl on, who went off on Giuliani yesterday. Mm. Uh, so they're kind of the more liberal. She's libertarian, I think. So I don't, you know, but good for him, man. I haven't seen the show yet. It's at 7 p.m. I, I know watched, they keep I, advertising. I watched the, uh, the first one about the, um, airports. It was good. It was, it's different. It's different. Yeah, definitely it, different. It, it, okay. Uh, but you Check know, when you said seeing it, like when, when you have this kind of current environment, everybody picks a side. No one stays yeah. in the middle. It's too hard. Yeah. And the, the ad dollars want you to kind of pick a side too. So. You know, you don't stay in the middle because, you know, there's no money in the middle. CNN needs Trump to win because that's 90 percent of their content. I mean, <laughs> right. I'm so I'm so going to talk about. Yeah, yeah exactly. I read on some deep, deep. I said that. too. I thought it, too. I was like, I read on some deep ass website that yeah. he, they're in Trump's pocket. I'm like, oh, I never thought about that way. Conspiracy theories, baby. That's what we do. at Whiskey. Anyway, oh. I got one one last thing. Speaking of CNN oh. at work, baby, we've heard of coffee breaks. Coffee. We've break. heard of smoke breaks with Zoom. Now they come with stro- <laughs> now they come with stroke breaks, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Jeffrey Tubin, and you can have a name like that, Tubin, baby. That's gonna come. That's gonna be like Google, man. I'm gonna go Tubin. I'm Tubin right now. <laughs> oh man, that's why we stand up and record. I don't trust you guys, man. <laughs> so for our listeners, if you don't know, what he's talking about just Google. Yeah, Jeffrey Tubin. He's a, he's a, he's a hands-on type of manager. That's all I'm saying. He was on a, a call, Zoom call with his other, what, New, the New Yorker. Hey, we just told him to Google it. You don't have to explain it. Hey, man, yeah, oh, that's that. like, we're not that. We're not, we're not that. We're not that type of show. PG, PG-13. Oh. oh, okay. I didn't know. We were PG-13. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> After I threw it out there. Right, right, right. But no, so it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, it's a lot going on in the news. That's just some of our quick hits. And, uh, you know, before we kick off today, I want to talk about our whiskey of the day. And it's going to be a good one, right? It's something uh, in the uh, single malt Japanese whiskey, the Yamazaki uh, 12 year. Um, so that's one that we're going to be sipping on today. Uh, we, we featured some Japanese whiskeys in the past, but this is another one we're going to. Um, we're going to try today and we're going to give you a kind of a, a breakdown of view and kind of our, uh, what we think about it. So, you know, this is today's whiskey of the day, the Yamazaki 12 year Japanese whiskey. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, yeah. So, you know, for this week, we're going to be diving into a, a topic that, you know, we started to hear a lot about, uh, early, like, was it 2019 from the great Andrew Yang? 
uh, is where it kind of came to my um, uh, my attention, where he talked about uni- universal basic income, where essentially he was like, you know what, I'm going to give what was it, a thousand families, a thousand dollars, or something like that, when he was in during during his election, uh, his his election uh, um, chance, and you know, it got got a lot of people's attention, but. We want to talk about the universal basic income. There's some communities out doing trials uh, today. I think it's in Compton is one, and we'll dive into that. But as a, at a high level, the universal basic income is a fixed amount of money at a level sufficient for uh, substance given by the state to call all its citizens, regardless of uh, income or work status, to make sure that they have some money in their pockets so they can you know, at least have a, a basic amount of money in their po- pockets. Um, basically it's distributed sometimes in a lump sum on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, but you know, it's ultimately is giving money to people who typically wouldn't have it. And, you know, the ultimate argument is, will it make a difference in not only the individual, uh, uh, individual receivers of the money, but in the overall community, how will it impact the community? Cause you have less poverty, you have less, uh, strain on city services. If everyone ha- have at least a universal basic income and, that's something we want to dive into today and uh, just take a deep, deep look. And what are your thoughts, fellas? It's interesting, right? It's a univer- UBI, universal, basic. It's a set amount to be kind of a stabilizing force, as you said. So they can, you know, folks that need it, it's kind of t- provided to be upward mobility for lower income community members, right? So it's interesting. I, look. You know, there's a guy from Facebook that's been talking about this. One of the early founders who cashed out early. He's talking. He's been talking. Chris Hughes, I think. Chris Hayes, I think that's his name. He's been talking about doing this for a while, uh, two, two, three years now. <clears throat> it's interesting. So, like, you know, it can ha- allow some of these folks to give them some breathing room to kind of focus on maybe going back to school or new career paths or spending time with the family and just getting some emotional and mental kind of relaxation in their lives. If, you know, if they don't get a chance to, some of these folks are working multiple jobs and they can't find that traction. And now as we're discovering, well, maybe, maybe you guys probably knew more about this than I did. Like I knew some of this existed or what was happening that we saw a lot of this year and a lot of it came to the light this year. So this is just another path to get it right. Because as we've seen in some, some communities, generational wealth can be handed down. Mm-hmm. And in other communities, it can't. So this can be maybe a way to recalibrate. I listen. I I don't have not one problem with it. The, you know, like it, you you it depends on who you talking to, you're talking to, because I you know what we talked in our last episode that I remember I went on my rant for the shit you should know about about <laughs> the air, about the airline industry getting a bailout, and. I think we have to try to really, cause some people who are against it call it socialist, right? You know, it's not true. It's not capitalism. We're a capitalist country, but we're not, we're not a true capitalist country. Um, so if we, if we give people just a little money to help cover some basic needs, whether it's just food or whether it's helping out with certain bills, just, you know, and it's all based off of your income, right? You know, we're not saying giving you $2,000, $3,000 a month, but we're giving something that kind of maybe helps cover some baseline situation or, or whatever it is. Could it help move people, more people on the upward mobility side? Possibly. I yeah. don't know. Like that's why you, ha- you have these different cities across the country doing it. And it, it's a test case. Um, and, and one of the things that, you know, I took away from it was that it, it reduces the strain on additional city services that essentially cost more than the investment that you're making and providing the universal basic income. 
one of the things that um, stood out to me was an experiment done with, uh, I think it was in Canada, where they gave 50 homeless people, you know, they, they vetted them, make sure they didn't have any like drug problems or whatever, mental issues. But they gave them $5,700 and they did an experiment and say, okay, how are they using this money over a year? And what they saw was that first there was less need for them to go into homeless shelters where it costs, I think it was around $8,000. Um, city For the city. For the city to service them in the homeless shelter. So you provide them with 5700 and then they, you know, immediately right there, you're net positive on this whole experiment. In addition to that, you need less resources from the, from the city. And then uh, on top of that, these people started to try, now start to have a home or they rented a place. They got a down payment for something. And they saw that these people at the end of that year experiment, they actually had some money left over um, mm-hmm. because they knew how to properly you know, budget and, and move it forward. So that's one of the things that really stood out to me in this type of experiment and environment where, you know, people who just need a chance or a helping hand. That's a great like, way to, I, that's a great way to think about it. That's a great point, Clyde. Sorry, I think, go ahead. I know I have no, I have, you know, there's, there's also uh Stanford university does it. They have the, the, uh, uh, what is it called? Something Institute, uh, blanking on it right now. Stanford's basic income lab, which they did, they, they've completed a thorough analysis of this and how it affects different genders, different races, different age groups differently. Um, and, you know, ultimately what they're finding is that it's to what Clyde said, it's just the same thing. Like it, it's a net positive on the community and there's never been any real um, negative stories about it. Like, so the, the biggest issue I see, and I've had different conversations with, you know, my quote unquote capitalist friends and um, you yeah. <laughs> pure capitalist, yeah, America's capitalism <laughs> um, is that you, they think it's going to turn into welfare. And how how this country had had welfare, uh, you know, quote unquote, people, welfare state and et cetera, instead of them looking at it in a way to help society move forward. You know, I don't know how to really plan it out, but I think it's a it's worth an experiment to kind of help a portion of America that is really struggling. And and you hear it every every election cycle. How many percent the percentage of America who, who you know, is starving? you know, um, food, you know, the instability around food, instability around housing. If you have those two main issues are, right. are, are, are percolating in the, the richest country in the world, then how do you not try to do something for your lower third mm. uh, of, of your society? I don't, I don't know. I don't see why you can't test it. I don't see why you can't put some federal money behind it, but. So let's explore that then. So let's talk about, let's, we'll get back to the topic of this thing, but let's explore welfare for a second. So I didn't know much about this program. I wanted to dig into the history of it and see how, how it works, right? So apparently America puts $1 trillion a year towards this both state and fed programs, right? And that's around five to 6% of our total government spending. Mm. So it was set up in 1935 during the Great Depression, right? To yeah. let's see, cause it was a shit show. You think this is a shit show? It was a <laughs> shit show back then, right? And obviously there weren't things like tech there. It was all majority was manual labor to get you out of and get the economy right again, which is different now a little bit. So apparently these programs do work because the number of people in poverty has decreased the past several decades. It is almost two X in the, in the women in women's like, so that is 22% females are on welfare to 12% males. That's, that's kind of interesting. Milton Friedman is going to be, one of my well, the women, you said women are more, were more on 
Yeah, they're up twenty two percent on f- welfare. More, and they, well, and, but you know, and that's because they're the, they're the mothers. They're they're taking yep, care exactly. of children. Yep. So that's why women were on the more. It's the responsibility they have, right? Yeah. Uh, that they that they take care of absolutely. And then Milton Friedman, who's going to be part of my shit, you should know. He had this book uh, from way back in the day, which I'll mention: Capitalism and Freedom. It's it's a it's a big book. It's dense. It's thick, but uh, it's it's about the negative tax rate and how you can maybe minimize uh, yes. the tax burden on lower income families. It's a good it's a good read. It's dense. So if it's not your thing, don't go towards it. There's some summaries around it, but um, but if you get into that, it's a deep dive. Do they have a YouTube. picture version? Do they have a picture book. <laughs> There's a five minute YouTube version. Of- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let's get back to this. So this Compton mayor. The reason we started talking about this yes. is this Aja Brown, right? At the, and um. She saw someone from another group, I think Stockton somewhere that was doing it the year part. Yep. Yep. So the, and it's kind of, I think that one's called, so basically this one in Compton, let's just, let's dig into that one real quick. So it's a two year program. They're going to put, you know, giving 800 Compton residents. So it's one of the largest of its kind. I think the other one in Stockton was like a fraction of that, like a fifth or a sixth of it even, but this is two and a, they've raised 2.5 million from private donors. For the Fund for Guaranteed Income, it's a charity based, it's headed by Nika Sun Xiong, daughter of the LA Times owner, Patrick Sun Xiong. Uh, apologies if I don't pronounce that, if I didn't pronounce that properly. But so each selected family will receive at least a few hundred dollars on a recurring basis, as well as tools that will help them access financial guidance. So that's the main component that kind of excites me. Let's not just give like a cash a deposit, let's teach them how to make more cash. Like, you know, don't give them a fish. Yeah. Let's teach people how to fish. And I, I'm, I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then they're going to monitor their, their spending habits and all. And they've seen in general, like the one in Stockton, they saw people were, weren't spending it on frivolous things. They weren't going on stock X. They were going like, you know, they were spending it towards things that they were needed. Right. And so in this and they want to find a representative sample, it's going to be t- difficult. So if, if they're trying to find 800 people, I think 70 percent is Latino, 30 percent is black in Compton, yeah. I think. Right. And they're really going after the folks who are kind of excluded from federal and state aid programs for whatever reason, it's in, including undocumented immigrants. So I'm kind of curious about that. Formerly incarcerated residents. I get that. Let's include that because, hey, incarceration is about. It's a rehabilitative, it's not a correctional as far as punishment, it's a correctional facility, right? So they're back in society, let's give them a shot. The undocumented immigrants, I would like to explore more, because hey, if you're not, as, if you come over, it, does that, that doesn't mean illegally, I'm, I'm just curious. Well, your, un, your no, so undo, undocumented um, is technically what the whole phrase of illegal is, right? So undocumented, just you just don't have paperwork. So the problem and, and what happened during this pandemic, and so, you know, full disclosure, my grandfather, my dad's side, he was technically undocumented. He mm. came into the U.S. It, it, it was it was in like the 1920s, but you know it was a different world at that point. Um, the key here with the issue, especially when it happened this pandemic, when they were giving out the supplemental income, I mean the, the federal, the CARES Act, whatever it was, the six hundred dollars, they weren't given into undocumented uh, immigrants, and so the catch-all on that. Is that you won't give the money to them, but you'll you still pay there. Those people still pay taxes. Right. And so therefore, yeah, I get it. I get it. You're like, oh, we want people who are citizens to receive this money. But you're still these people are still paying taxes. There are workarounds. I get it. There are tons of things and ways to kind of make this happen. But, you know, I'm a little biased on this one because I'm just I, I say if you can pay taxes. Yeah then you should be able to get some help from the federal government. 
And and when we get into the immigration side of it, that's a whole different kind of discussion. And I'd like to learn more about it before I can even make a judgment on that particular particular line. But hey, if you if you come from that lineage, so you're a fine productive productive man of society. Aside from some sports mishaps in your life, you're pretty good. <laughs> you're contributing well to society. So like that's a good that's a good study. My wife has had some at her hospital, some phenomenal doctors came undocumented, whatever. Such to the point that they were scared to go back because their mother passed away from coronavirus in Asia or Africa, and they weren't able to go back because they didn't know if they could get back in. Uh, but this is someone who's contributing and developing research, phenomenal research towards cancer treatments. And it's just, you know, it's wonderful work. So I'd like to go explore that a bit more. And that's on me to do that uh, to understand that a bit more. But this could be the way we're going. Look, if we're going to be, AOI is going to make us obsolete. Elon Musk said, we're going to create robots and they're not going to come after us on purpose. We're just going to be in their way. So eventually they're going to run us over, right? So Terminator. If, it's, it's exactly <laughs> what it is, right? And it's not like they're mean. They're just trying to kill us because we're in the way, right? You know what I'm saying? So the, if, if jobs are not going to be recalibrated, look, we've lowered the barrier. Before, America's been thriving for 70, 80, since World War II, because it was capital intensive in like the industrial revolution. All these kind of revolutions were highly capital intensive. The tech revolution has lower barriers to entry. So you're allowing other competitors into the market. So if we don't recalibrate the way we're learning and teaching here and being competitive in the global market space, we've talked about it. It's pockets of Asia are going to come and eat our lunch, right? So mm-hmm. if that happen. Maybe this UBI is a play that we need to keep us sustainable and keep us from drifting as a human, as an American human population. On you, back to you guys. Oh, so I, well, no, I, so, <laughs> I wasn't going to do a skip because I've done it a lot. But no, skip, skip. Um, I yes, yeah, see, I don't, I don't, I, I, one hundred percent agree with the concept of like we have to to recalibrate what we and how we do business. You already see the shift happening when you look at our, uh, this country's competitors, um, on a, on a global scale and how other countries treat their, their, you know, their citizens and, and how they take care of their citizens. Um, but, you know, I think we're still under, under this wrong mantra in this country of how it was post world war two. Yeah. And that, and, but when people look into the history post world war two, that's when the middle class was created. That's where there were job opportunities for all levels and all educations um, levels. We don't have that now. And to your point, you know, the more robots, you know, yeah, yeah, more AI or whatever, start taking over, you know, manual labor, ma- manual labor jobs, yep. the less there's going to be a need for certain certain categories of people. Everybody can't go to college. No. I like I, I'm a firm believer of that. Everybody shouldn't. And, and in, in this current state of how much college costs, you're damn right. I'm not going at this cost. Yeah. Right. So what do we do? I, I, that's what I, I'm a propo- I'm up for UBI, a smart way of doing it on a per state, how to, each state does it differently. Um, and you know, there's federal oversight, but every state has to run it in my opinion, you know, cause that was the biggest issue with this CARES Act, whatever, yeah. give $600 to everybody. And every state doesn't have the cost of living like they do in yeah. California, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. So that $600 was, you know, d- depending on who you are and what level you are, was a lot of damn money. And that, that was a former UBI right there. And we saw yeah. people ended up saving more than spending. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's the first time we're saving a lot more <laughs> as Americans. So you brought up Andrew Yang. It's kind of dope what he's kind of put into. I'm 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 excited to follow this guy, his career because it's he's got some out of the box or you know kind of thinking. So he has a podcast now. So I checked him out. He had Mark Cuban on there. I like Mark Cuban a lot. I think he's just out there. He's like he's actually a billionaire who's really a billionaire, outspoken, you know, <laughs> and you know he's also a reality star type of dude. But he, he's he's different, right? Um, but they were on there together. So Mark Cuban brought up an interesting point. Look, a let's do, let's do the simple one first. We need to find a way to be able to deposit money into someone's account quickly. Right. So you need the system in place in America to do that. Cause like, look, this money, some people still haven't received their st- stimulus checks the first round. Right. And now we're trying to get to the second round. So government needs that. So, hey, that's the first thing we need. Right. Quickly deposit money in American people's accounts. He brought up another great point, which I'm, I'm, I'm I kind of want to explore it a bit more. He said, look, we need to tie productivity to any kind of cash, quote unquote, handout. Right. So there has to be productivity associated with it. He goes, if there's a way that we can have, make it be impactful product like maybe you know hey have it spend it on small businesses nearby or do it put it towards something but then anytime you add that kind of regulation in it slows the process down adds different layers so then then product productivity who becomes the arbiter of that if you know government judging our productivity versus jeff bezos judging productivity quite distinct right so we got to put something in place he and his uh, i don't know if we want jeff bezos measuring productivity. Uh, <laughs> But you know what I'm saying, though. So that those layers of complexity when you're trying to get people right. Um, how do you how do you roll something like this out on a national scale and make it equitable for everyone? So that's a good point, and, and I'll bring up a study. Uh, I'll take it back. You know, since we're all in jurors, this is very uh, appropriate. But there was a there was a study done in the uh, what was it exactly? It was like the from 1968 to 1972, which was a negative income tax. Which is yeah. titled uh, New Jersey. Milton Freeman. That's it. Milton Freeman. That's what okay. we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Jersey Income Maintenance uh, Experiment, where they took um, five towns in New Jersey and they gave everyone a negative income income tax, and you know you receive funds. Ultimately, the biggest takeaway from this was was based on two things. One, did it reduce labor uh, labor and production and, and performance of people how they were product, productive? They looked at it by race. They said you know white wives they were a little bit less productive because you know, their husbands, now they have more money and their husband can do a little bit more Latinos, black families. They weren't any less productive than what, what they were receiving with this additional funds. And then on the other side, what they were doing with the money is that they saw that a lot of people were investing in uh, tangible assets, furniture and buying homes, uh, which essentially made them take on more debt by having this additional mm. income. So those were some of the two major takeaways um, a part of the, a part of the study, there were some you know limitations in data sets because there were only thirteen hundred people that they followed through over these three years. But um, it was very interesting to see this kind of study done back in the sixties to try to see if there was any kind of impact. But uh, that's one I wanted to highlight. But there's been a bunch of different types of basic income experiments, um, not only in the U.S. but across the across the world. I mean, there's experiments like the Iran Cash Transfer Program. There's um, this wealth partaking sh- scheme in Macau. Uh, there's a Alaska permanent fund dividend, uh, where, you know, people pretty much get an extra thousand to $2,000 a month in a lot, I mean, a year in Alaska. So there's a bunch of these different types of programs going on and probably a lot of data sets out there. But, you know, uh, you know, us at the Whiskey Hue, we think about everything from the black and brown perspective. So 
when we saw Compton, we were, we were very excited to kind of dive in deep into this and see if there's any kind of insights that we can pull out for our community. And so what's the Stockton, California one, right? He, well, it's a black mayor. So that's Tubbs, right? What's his, uh, something Tubbs is his name. Uh, Michael Tubbs. So he, yeah, like, he did the, the Stockton economic empowerment demonstration, right? He gave 125 residents, 500 month, $500 a month for 18 months. What's that? Six, six and a nine K nine, $9,000 in 18 months. That's, that's dope. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's kind of dope, right? So interesting. So there's a consortium of mayors that began working together saying, how can we implement this in our community? And this, the Compton one was born from that. And this is, you know, they did it with 125 people in Stockton, 800 people in Compton. I'm curious to see how this, this goes, this rolls. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, so I want to, I want to say the biggest thing I, you know, get it. Not trying to sound partisan, but <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I want to see how this works in different state, red states, right? Because, the, the, the key here for like for it to be a federal buy-in, you're going, you're going to have to get some red states on board. Yeah. And therefore, you need to try try this in, in, in places in the South, the traditional red states, and, and see how it works out for their citizens. Because when something like this, an idea like this has to be a buy-in uh, on the national side. You can't just, you know, in, in our environment, because it's we're so partisan now, you can't be a bunch of blue states and blue areas doing this. You know, you're, you're going to have to try some red states and red, you know, in red communities and say, all right, we're going to do this here. And when that has an uptick, if it works there, then you start to get more of a buy in. And then you start pushing the needle a little bit more, at least in my opinion. Well, I welfare, just, welfare is in red and blue states, right? Uh, you have white, well, black, brown, you have I, everyone I, on it. I don't, I don't know the percentages, well, I, but. I re, but here's the thing. I'll th- the welfare, what we, what, what, happened in the early 90s and 80s before doesn't exist anymore right mm. you know most of that doesn't that was ended by i think by in a traditional sense of where you're probably thinking that i think it was ended by clinton oh um, really yeah like he i i, I, I i'm probably miss uh, uh often like the details of it but that sense it doesn't exist as as widespread as we as we as we, we probably are thinking and it's different in every state right um I think the biggest issue now is, is is around, you know, I think disability agreements, et cetera, like that. So it's a very it's a varying program and, and, it, and it's and it's statewide and how they want to run it. So I, I would say I want to see more UBI studies and yeah. red states. And the way you get these studies is these kind of programs. And we'll see the outcomes. Yeah. Right. These are nice case studies. And, you know, uh, Clyde's favorite. Africa Jack, Jack Dorsey, he's, he's, uh, he's developed, he's donated three million to this cause, right? So he put it into this, you know, the consortium of mayors, the mayors for a guaranteed income. He put it in three million. This guy is kind of putting, you know, he doesn't have the Jeff Bezos type of wealth, but he's given away a third of it, which is kudos to him, man. And he doesn't do it to celebrate himself. You know, he, a lot of people donate, hey, look what I'm doing. I like when they quietly do it. I mean, I guess we all know about it. So I guess he didn't do it too quietly, but you know, it's, it's kind of dope what he's doing, right? He's done, given, he, earmarked a, a third of, I think like 1.5 billion or something like that towards yeah. variable, various charity causes, charitable causes. That's good. Good on him. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. And it's something we'll continue to watch and, you know, try to try to bring up uh, these different studies and keep it, keep an eye on it because I think this is very important for our community because uh, I think I mentioned when we first started off, you know, we don't come from a lot of, um, um, you know, we don't get the million dollar, a small million dollar loan from our dad to start off. So, you know, these incremental funds nope. uh, will help, you know, at least set the baseline <laughs> for a lot of the community, black and brown communities that are out there. So 
Yeah, so this is us at the Whiskey Q looking into Universal Basic Income. Boom. So uh, before we uh, close out, two things. Uh, shit you should know. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. What you got? Uh, I'll go. Okay. I'll go. Okay, okay, so I, I think I, I got a I got a hard number hard one and the soft two. Okay, number one. What the hell? Right. So <laughs> I want right. to. You know, this is. You know, I, I talk sports all on a regular basis on here, but I want to I want to throw a shout out to my man Lewis Hamilton. Formula One made oh. Formula One history last week in hitting ninety two wins, which is the most in Formula One history. Oh, now. Wow. You, you, you go, okay, cool, whatever. I don't think people really get it. Formula One is an affluent sport. You have to have money to, to somehow even make it to that elite level of Formula One and to do it and win 92 victories. The only other guy, he's, he surpassed Michael Schumacher. And he's not done, Lewis Hamilton. He's still got maybe another two or three years. He can stay with Mercedes-Benz, maybe rack up another 10 or 15 wins. This guy's legit. He's up nice. there. With the, the trifecta, well, not trifecta, up there with the great LeBron James. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, Michael Jordan, of course. <laughs> but, and also, oh, I, shout didn't, out I don't know if you wanted to bring up the goats. You just wanted to keep it a second tier. I thought it's cool. And, right. and, bring, and, and shout out Mookie Betts of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, that was nice. Winning man. the World Series. You know, these guys are killing it. Um, you kept you. I had to Google him once you text him. I'm like, who the hell is he? Oh, I'm like, oh, okay. And then I flipped it on. I'm like, all right, because <laughs> hip hop, the BET awards are on. <laughs> and I, I was working on, it, so I couldn't see anyway. But um, that's, you know, you know, one thing I saw about the LA Dodgers, which I'm kind of glad they won. Yeah. A two many reasons against the Astros when they cheated with all the wire tapping and all whatever they're doing, videotaping, you know, <laughs> whatever they're doing. Um, it was against the Dodgers and that, you know, that they beat out to get there and get there. Right. So I'm glad the Dodgers finally got theirs. A B. So they, some on Twitter, they said 17 rings for the Lakers, seven for the Dodgers equals 24 Kobe's number. That's beautiful. Uh, I love that. that I love nice, that. Nice. Nice. Yeah, man. Nice. Yeah. Anthony, he's, he's getting teary-eyed, so I'm, I'm going to change yeah. it up. No, you, oh, you, oh, you oh, had a couple more. Oh, you had a couple oh, more, right? Oh, one more. One more. Just want to pay attention. I think we talked about uh, uh, online gam- uh, gambling gambling um, a couple episodes ago, whatever. Genius Sports, uh, outside of the British, outside of in the UK, they're jumping in. They're going public through a SPAC. I think it's worth yeah. like $1.5 billion. <clears throat> um, they're, they're a competitor. They're out there. I, I don't know. They're not, they don't have a foothold in the U.S. yet. But the ironic side of it is DraftKings, right? DraftKings yep. is down 39% since the beginning of the month. So I don't know what's, you know, either the market's course correcting, like we've seen for the past couple of days, you know, it's been a little, it's been a little brutal, but it's interesting to see maybe, maybe DraftKings jumped, went public a little too early or we're just in a course correction. I think they're going to kill it. I think DraftKings has a phenomenal partners. I'm gobbling some stock up, man. I mean, it might be a, it might be a long three, four years before they pull it, but I'm, I'm, I'm hanging. Well, I just I, I just look at it in the sense of um, I don't I don't really gamble. Thank God. You don't have to gamble, man. Just play stock. Man. I, 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 I like to see what these international guys are doing because they they have they have a broader reach and different in different markets. And you start tossing these other sports in the mix. Yeah. Well, they're looking That's at America what, now because we're the we're the babies in this whole thing. Oh yeah. yeah. So exactly. they're coming this way. That's what FanDuel was bought out by. Uh, we talked about it. FanDuel was by a uh, fl- flut- uh, flutter well, or something. Well, no. The the Europe European group, right? So that's their play. We you can trade them ADRs, American depository receipts, but DraftKings is like we said before. Clyde's MAGA hat is straight up with him. Pure American play. Pure American play. <laughs> America. Are you, <laughs> America. Are you America. going next slide or should I? You can go. 
All right, man. So we're, you know, we're all working remotely. So Grand Cayman Islands, right? You got to pivot your business model, baby. So this is interesting, man. I got, I got, this is, you know, so if you make 100K as a solo, solo person or 180 cup as a couple with kids, you can work abroad in Cayman Islands for the, for a year under a newly launched global citizen concierge program because they're, they've shut down travel to the, to the islands, the three main islands, Grand Cayman, Cayman, Brock, Little Cayman. I've only been to Grand Cayman, I think. But so it's, but you see what they're doing is they're going to make you quarantine for 14 days on the island. So they get that check. It's 1500 years of fee up front plus 500, depending on like how many, how many, uh, dependents you have. Um, and then you need to spend at least 90 days a year there. So it's a way to spur their economy. They're pivoting their model. I love it because people go there to relax, chill. And if you can work there, you got great Wi-Fi. They've controlled COVID, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> they got their Google Nest, like Clyde keeps telling me to get. Um, the, you know, it, you, basically, if you stay in the hotel for two weeks, it can cost you anywhere from six to 10, 12K. So they're going to get that money in the bank, right? That spurs the economy. And then you're going to be eating, you're going to be doing all your stuff. And then the fees on top of that. So they're making at least 12 to 15K just for you committing to this program. And then you're going to be spending freely. I kind of like it. Um, I wish we could get it because my wife's tethered to the hospital. Otherwise, I, I would love to get just hang there. <laughs> That'd be kind of dope, man. Because <laughs> it's like an expensive, it's kind of a pseudo decent, pricely, you know, pseudo price, mid priced uh, vacation. So that's, you know, check into it, man, if you want. <laughs> it's kind of a cool idea. Second one. Glad you, you can't leave your estate, man. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> no, there are beautiful places like Ritz Carlton. They're showing the Palm Heights is the low end, Ritz Carlton's high end. Um, and then they have some dope, dope setups too. Okay. Second one, Milton Friedman. I brought, I brought him up earlier. Capitalism and freedom. It explains a whole negative income tax thing that we just chatted about. So look into it. He kind of launched, I think it came out in 1962, 1963. There's a couple different versions of it, but um, it's, it's interesting. If you want to take a deep dive into it, basically it's, it's, it's a line. If you're above that line, you pay taxes. If you're below that line income level, you receive money. Kind of like this UBI type of thing we're talking about. Boom. Mm. That's it. All right. All right. That's a good one. And for me, I'll close it out with Bitcoin. Um, so Bitcoin so far for the year is up 80%, uh, topping roughly around 13,000 a coin. I know AG, you said you found some coin, a, a coin that you forgot about back in the day. Um, but yeah, it's gone. <laughs> you spent that. AG is a thousand there. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason, but the reason I want to bring it up is because a recent announcement by PayPal, which uh, announced that they're going to be taking uh, cryptocurrency um, on PayPal, so that's pretty much going to change the game, which opens itself up to a, a fifty billion dollar, um, uh, uh, kind of almost essentially a stimulus for Bitcoin, finding new ways for people to use that that income. So. Um, you know, PayPal, uh, they got, I think they have roughly around 306, 340 million people, um, wow. on their, on their system. So now you have people who can use it, you know, 340 million plus people who can use Bitcoin. Um, and that's distinctly on their, on the Venmo platform, which is dope. So it kind of legitimizes the entire digital currency state. We don't know if it's going to be Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever lasts, but mm-hmm. the fact that it legitimizes that currency, it's, it's kind of dope. Yep. Yep. So that's the shit you should know, uh, for this week, which has been good. So I want to talk about our whiskey of the day, which is a Yamakaze 12 year nice. Japanese whiskey. Um, for me, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, one of the things that, you know, really, really stood out to me was, uh, <laughs> the, the, the notes of plum, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a Dwight Howard section, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you know, good. Uh, no, good. I, uh, no, I won't even, I won't even get into all that. I'll just say it was pretty good. 
pretty smooth for me. It was a, a good single malt. And, you know, you think you think it's typically like the Scottish uh, whiskeys, but, you know, this is a good one from a Jap- Jap- Japanese uh, single malt whiskey. They, they won a ton of awards. Like, I think two, three years in a row, they were dominating the, all the yep. national awards. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm not a big fan of so, so all the Centauri. Like, I, I've had I've had this one before. I've, I like it. It's not my go to. I wouldn't go to it. Uh, I put it so in that I, range with like the Dalwini type. Like, it's cool that you have it, but, you know. I don't it's a good need look. It. It's a good look for your shelf. It's a little, you know, no, it looks good. Yeah, like it's it's I'm kind of a building, sexy looking bottle. Yeah, it's a, it's a good looking bottle. I'm building mine, you know, on my shelf out, but you know, one bottle at a time. One bottle at a time, man. Every time you can't keep says, drinking the shit out of them, Anthony. If you want to have them, there. <laughs> that's the problem. That's, <laughs> that is the problem. Like you can't, you can't, you can't have a build out a nice little shelf if every other week you're buying a new bottle out because you drink everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a heavy pouring hand. That's all. I don't drink that much anymore. I only drink mostly when we have this show, when we do this show, and maybe Saturday. No, maybe Saturday. I drink when we have this show, and then pretty much every day in between. But that's all. That's all. I'm just saying. I don't. I don't either. That's only when I see people. You know? but every every day that ends a Y. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Whiskey Hue. Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow us on all platforms, and uh, you can find us on pretty much all platforms. Peace. Peace.